From St. Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, now you are the body of Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Good morning, my rain-soaked sheep. I always wanted to say that. Hey, you know, last week, if you were here, I talked about uh, tithing, and what I said was that if you are a tither, that God will, un- will unleash upon your life blessings. And I want to give you a, a, pra- a praise report of one that occurred in my own life, and that's this, that uh, you may know that the texts we read on Sunday morning are given to you, are given to us. They come from the on high from the Episcopal Church, and we have to use those apportioned texts every week. I don't get to pick them. And it's a good reason, because that way I don't just sort of circle around my favorite scriptures. Um, but I, if you know me, you know that a lot of times I'll poke fun at the lessons that are appointed because they're just, I don't know, weak or not appropriate. But my praise report for today is this, that God can use even the revised common lectionary to reach his people because today the texts appointed from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are all about you. They are perfect. I couldn't have picked them better for the day which is the event of our annual meeting. Why? Because Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the nature of the church. He talks about you and me, us, our work together. He talks about, ready? Two things. Well, lots of things, but two I'm going to dial on today. He talks about who we are as the church, point one. And secondly, what do we do? What better for the annual meeting? Who are we And what are we called to do? So those are my two points, right out of the revised common lectionary. Point number one, who are we? And secondly, what are we called to do? So the first point for today is who are we as the church? It is, in fact, an existential question. Paul says, he actually tells us, if you look at it again, and it's crazily profound, which you'll see in a moment, Paul says, Now he's talking to the church. He's not talking to the culture at large, but to the church. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You are the, listen to this, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. That you is second person plural, which we don't do in English. We don't do it well. But down south, you'd say, y'all, if you were, if, Paul was writing to Philadelphia, he'd say, you guys are the body of Christ. But I want you just to stop there for a second and just realize that is an absolutely astounding thing to say. Has anybody ever said, did the Greeks ever say, now you all are the body of Zeus? I mean, think about it. For Paul to say, who are you? Who am I? Who are we? Right? The church that you are the body of Christ, that is staggering, and in fact, to me, kind of terrifying. He's saying, listen to this, that you and I together as the body of Christ, you guys are the body of Christ, listen, on earth. Now, what does that mean? Well, we know as Anglicans that Jesus Christ is present to us when we receive the bread and the wine at communion in his body and blood. So in one sense, we receive Jesus bodily at the Eucharist. That's true. We also know 
that in Scripture, when Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead, he ascended into heaven bodily, and there he remains seated at the right hand of the Father. We'll see that in a few minutes. But here's the thing I want you to understand. This is so profound. Jesus Christ exists bodily right now, seated on his throne of glory in heaven, waiting to come back and finish his work. In the meantime, until he returns, you're it. You and I, friends, until in the meantime, until Christ returns to finish the job and set the world to rights at his second coming, we, you and I, we are the body of Christ. Think about this. It's staggering. His hands, his feet, his messengers. You're it. When I, when I was um, instituted as rector at Trinity Episcopal Church in Red Bank, New Jersey, gosh, 10, 12 years ago, uh, Bishop Council, who was the bishop of the diocese, came and preached. He's a wonderful guy. I love that guy. And he, he, he told a story, which I'm going to share with you at my installation. Bishop Council told a story about a conversation between St. Michael the Archangel and Jesus in heaven. You ready? So here's the story. Uh, it's a story about St. Michael the Archangel and Jesus Christ. So St. Michael the Archangel says, uh, you know, goes to Jesus' office, knocks on the door, and says, uh, excuse me, Lord, it's me, Michael the Archangel. Uh, Lord, we got a problem. All right, Mike, what do you got? Well, Lord, it's those people on earth. They're acting up again. They're lukewarm. They claim you with their lips, but their hearts are far from you. Their values are far from you. They're afraid to stand up for their faith. They're ashamed to stick out. And Jesus says, what, Patriot fans? He says, no, the French. <laughs> no. Michael says, <laughs> not the French. Michael says, no, Lord. Lord, here's the problem. It's not the Pats fans. It's even worse. It's, it's the church. He says, Lord, it's the church, except for the Africans and a little church in Vero Beach called Trinity Episcopal Church. Everybody else <laughs> has fallen short. Lord, Lord, I think, uh, can I be straight with you, Jesus? Absolutely, Michael. Shoot. He says, Lord, I think it's time for plan B. Jesus says, plan B? Yeah, Lord, plan B. Michael, Michael, there is no plan B. We, friends, I want you to, just if you hear one thing today, just let this sink into what we are called to be. We're it. We are the body of Christ. Paul says it. You are it. There is no plan B. The, the eternal salvation of souls from hell rests on your willingness to be faithful to what God has called you to be, the body of Christ. Jesus has entrusted and commanded and relying on me and you to do the job until he returns with power and great glory. If that doesn't make you squirm a little bit, then you're not listening very closely because it makes, it's terrifying, quite frankly, that God entrusts us. We are his body on earth. There's no plan B. And if we don't do it, if we don't do the gospel, if we're not out front of it, not reacting to the culture, but changing it, if we don't do it, friends, who will? Trump? 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? I picked on both sides, don't worry. This is the point I want you to see, that we are, we, we're, we're, we're afraid to stand out. But that's exactly what Paul tells us to do. He says, we are the body of Christ. And he lays out this beautiful metaphor, which I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, but I want to just sort of pack, unpack it a bit. Paul says, you know, the body, Paul says the body has different parts, right? Hands and feet, eyeballs and teeth and fingernails, the whole thing. <laughs> Bad shoulders, you know. And to be, to, for the body to really work effectively together, every part's got to work. To be effective, every piece must be functioning. When I had my shoulder surgery this past summer, Kathy will tell you, I was a, I was a baby. I was a mess. I couldn't do anything for myself. I had to have a sling for three weeks. It was a, it was a wreck. For the body to be really effective, the body to be the body, every part has to work. There used to be an old prayer, and in the old prayer book, and I think it's still in the English 1662 book, the prayer book would pray, Lord, we pray, listen to this, it's great. Only an Anglican could write this. Oh, Lord, we pray for all sorts and conditions of men. You ever heard that before? We are, we are in this parish, all sorts and conditions of men. Different stories, different histories, different gifts, different failings. And the question for you this morning, and it's a biggie, are you using the gifts that God has given to you to serve the gospel, the cause of his church, to serve Jesus until he returns? Remember, friends, you, you and I are stewards, caretakers of what God has given you. I talked about this last week with money, but it goes deeper than that. You are a steward of your very being, your very talents, the things you do. Because there's no plan B. You're it. And me too. And God has placed you exactly where he wants you. Don't miss that either. You know, I've said this before. Scripture says repeatedly there are no coincidences in life. None. There may be some things you do that are, have no consequence, but there are no coincidences. God has placed you exactly where he wants you, exactly where he needs you. The people in your life that he surrounds you with, they are, you are with them to bring the gospel to them. I will never forget when I was a new dad, I think when Katie was born, and I was in seminary, and someone said to me, I referred to them as my kids, and they said, hey, Rodriguez, they're not your kids. Those are God's children. He's just given them to you to care for. Think about that. But that's the point, though, right? We are stewards of everything we have. And notice something so cool about Paul's metaphor here, that this body, this body has different parts, but they all work together. Let me just show you something really cool here. In verse 24, Paul says, the English translation says that God has so composed the body. God has so composed the body. It's only one word in Greek, and it's a long one. Sidkuranamai. So composed the body is only one word. The word is sidkuranamai. Listen. And it means that when God designed the body, that's us. He takes all these different things, and he orders them like an engineer. Like building a bridge, or building a car, or, or balancing a checkbook. God takes all these different pieces, and he structures them together for a common person. That's to us. In other words, God has taken all of us, all of you, together and made us, friends, don't miss this, Trinity Church, 
all sorts and conditions of us. And he's brought us here together and structured us deliberately so that we can serve together side by side. It is no accident that you are here. It is no accident that I'm here. God planned it. He structured it. He ordered it. God is a master at moving the little pieces of the chessboard around to get us exactly where he needs us so that we can be his body. You did not choose Trinity Church, friends. I submit to you this morning that Trinity Church chose you. You were led here. Make no mistake. You were led here. Make no mistake to serve in this body. Some of us have skills we can offer. Some of us have time we can offer. Some of us have theological training and ordination to offer. That's mine, but it's a pretty narrow group of people. Some of us have financial resources to offer. The point is, friends, the Trinity Episcopal Church is not an it, it's a me, it's an us. And God has structured and ordered all of us together to minister as his body. There's no plan B. There is no plan B. So here's the question. Are you going to look around at our, at our town and complain? Are you going to watch the news and say, I can't believe things are going this way? Are you going to read about this decision in New York and, le and take it lying down? Whatever. Here's the deal, guys. We are the body of Christ. Are you doing your part? Because that's what God's called you to do. It is a joy to serve. There's nothing more satisfying for a human heart to find something they're good at and they love and then use that to serve something larger than yourself, to serve God. I can tell you that firsthand. Everybody wants to believe in something. That's why we've got so much, in my opinion, so much political division in this country. Everybody wants a person to believe in, a platform, a party. We were made for that, but we weren't made for that. We were made to believe in the body of Christ, a cause to which God has caused, called you here. I will never forget when God called me for the last, I mean, it had been a long, long process, but when God called me, I was 26 years old working in Philadelphia and Malvern, Pennsylvania, working for Siemens Corporation. And actually, I may have never told you this before, but I had wrestled with a call to the priesthood since I was in fifth grade. I knew I was called to the priesthood. I uh, didn't really go to church a whole lot, but I knew it. And uh, I wrestled with that call. And quite frankly, amongst friends, I didn't just wrestle, but I ran like hell from that call for a long time. And here I was, working for Siemens Corporation in Malvern, Pennsylvania. I had a great career. I loved my job. I had a great family, two kids, nice house, a couple of dogs. We were happy, right? Life was good, man, like the sticker says. And then one day, sitting at my desk, minding my own business, work, doing some work, and uh, I was working on the computer. I can remember it. And I heard God say something to me. And I didn't hear it audibly, but I heard it. If you've ever heard God speak to you, you it's inexplicable, but it's, there's no denying it, right, at the same time. And I heard God say something to me, and I'm going to tell you what he said. You ready? I heard the Lord say to me, Rodriguez, if you can do this for Siemens Corporation, you can do this for me. If you can do this for Siemens Corporation, you can do this for me. And this just happened to coincide when the sermon that past week had been on Luke chapter 12, verse 24, where Jesus says, to him who much is given, much is expected. Friends, we are not our own. 
And someday I will stand before Jesus and have to give an accounting for my life. Someday you will have to stand before Jesus and give an accounting for how you've used the gifts he's given to you. Could you do it? There's no plan B. That's my first point. Staggering, but true. That you all are the body of Christ. There's no plan B. And then secondly, then, what's our mission? What are we called to do? Well, this is, this is pretty broad, but it actually is pretty simple. What are we called to do? Well, we say it every Sunday. Jesus says it. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. Number one. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, our mission is to love. Paul says today, when one member of the body suffers, listen to this, when one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. I uh, remember, was remembering, remembering back to um, the evening before Palm Sunday, 2018. I was at the dinner with some friends, and I was getting, my phone was blowing up, you know, phone calls, but I had it on mute, so I didn't know it. And you know, if you were here, you know that um, my, our former sexton by the name of Charles Hinckley, whom I loved and still do, actually, Charles was arrested on this campus for stealing money out of the safe outside, which has since been secured. We all heard about this. We were all shocked about it. It was on the evening news. It was in the newspaper. I talked about it. Not a whole lot, but I did. People actually, you know, and I, I got home, finally got the phone call, ran over here to find Charles Hinckley sobbing with his arms stuck in the safe. People made, people made fun of that, actually. Even on the news, I remember watching it, the, the TV news, made fun of it. Well, I guess what goes around comes around. You know, it wasn't funny. It was actually tragic. I was there. I was there when they pried his fingers or his hand out of the claws in the safe. And, he, and I was there as he cried, Father, forgive me, I can't believe what I've done, I'm so sorry. It broke my heart. What Charles did was wrong. He admitted it to me, he apologized to me. He admitted he was wrong when I visited him in prison three or four months ago. He told me that he was sorry. Found out that Charles had an addiction to uh, opioids and it destroyed him, it almost killed him. But what it also did when he suffered, we all suffered together. His betrayal broke a lot of hearts in this parish. It broke his too, frankly. Paul's right, man. He's right. When the body, in the body, when one suffers, we all suffer. We should. And if we don't, what kind of church is that? But you know, when one rejoices, we also rejoice. <laughs> Another great story. My daughter Grace, who is in seventh grade, um, recently joined the girls' weightlifting team at St. Edward's School. Grace is about this tall, weighs maybe 80 pounds, soaking wet. Last weekend, we were down in Pembroke Pines near Miami for the girls' weightlifting di districts competition, and Gracie came in sixth or seventh place. And so she's very proud, you know, this Hilarious to see, actually, but these great big weights over her head, you know, and I'm thinking, man, I can't believe she can do that. And I, and I posted it, uh, a picture of her with these weights over her head on my Facebook page, and, uh, and man, people just lit it up. I had so many people from this parish, so many of you, actually, who would say, you know, on my Facebook page, way to go, Grace, good job. 
tell her how proud we are of her. Man, what, awesome, what an awesome thing. Strong girl. I could tell, say that again. And it made her feel great. It made me feel proud. And it made me feel humbled. You know why? Because when one rejoices, we all rejoice together. Because we are, friends, the body of Christ. I am convinced that the church is the only hope of the world. I'm convinced of that. Politics won't do it. Money won't do it. Power won't do it. Hasn't so far. Only love, friends, is the hope of this world. And when I say that, I don't mean love, love in some stupid, sentimental kind of way. What I mean is the real thing. Christian love, agape, it's a verb. And Christian love means putting the needs of somebody else ahead of your own. It is what we are fundamentally called to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. To put someone else's needs ahead of your own. Why? Because Jesus did it for you. Every other nonprofit in this town, and there's lots of them, and lots of good ones actually, every other nonprofit, friends, changes the human heart from the outside in. The church is the only one who changes the human heart from the inside out. I will tell you, I consider it a privilege and a blessing to be your rector, to be a member of the body of Christ here at Trinity Church. I see hearts changed. I see the Holy Spirit moving. I see people joining and saying, man, I finally found a parish where people just are cool and love each other. And you know why that is? Because to quote St. Paul, you guys are the body of Christ. So here's the question and the charge for you today. Are you ready to go all in for the gospel? Are you ready to do what God has called you to do and be what he's called you to be? Because friends, if you don't do it, there is no plan B. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for calling us together to be your body here on earth. Remind us of the awesome privilege and responsibility that you have given each of us to be your people on this world. Remind us, friends, Father, there is no plan B. And make our lives reflect your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.